0: Hello again everyone and welcome back to the InDesigner, the video cast that provides information, instruction and insight for designers using and learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host, Michael Murphy, graphic designer and Adobe Certified Expert in InDesign CS2. And this is episode 37. Three months after starting this series, it's finally here. The last installment of what has turned out to be the longest and most difficult group of episodes I've ever done. This episode wraps it all up for good as we take a last look at indexing. In the time since episode 36 ended where I created topics and started adding page references in my book documents, I've gone ahead and done the long, tedious part, adding all of my other references to the index. Almost. If we take a look at the index palette in reference mode now, there are a decent amount of page references in here. Some are single page references, and some are page ranges depending on what the appropriate choice was. That's a decision you'll be making over and over as you go through your documents making page references. There are a few topics in here, though, for which I still haven't added references, like Adobe and Apple here under A. I'm going to use Find Change to look for a mention of Adobe in any of my book documents. I'll make sure it's case sensitive and that the search includes all of my documents. The first one it's found is here in Chapter 1. While the word is still selected, I'll switch back to Reference mode and click the Create New Index Entry button at the bottom of the palette. To add every instance of the word Adobe in my book, I'll keep the reference type at Current Page, click Add All, and then click Done to exit the dialog box. Notice that there are a great many duplicate page references under Adobe now, but there's no need to go in and get rid of all of those. Only one reference per page will be included in the index when you generate it. Similarly, any unused topics in the index palette will be left out of the generated index. If I want to see where any of these specific references is in any of my documents, I just select the page number, then go down to the bottom of the palette, and click the Go to Selected Marker button. That jumps me right to the marked word, Adobe, on page 75. And I'm glad I did this, because this instance of the word is actually part of the phrase Export Adobe PDF, which is already indexed that way on this page as a separate entry. Since this instance doesn't say anything about Adobe the company, which is probably what somebody going through my index would expect, I'm going to get rid of that reference on page 75 by selecting the page number in the palette and clicking the Delete Selected Entry button at the bottom of the palette. I'll click Yes to confirm that I want to delete it, and you'll notice that my index marker before the word Adobe is now gone, but the one before Export Adobe PDF is still there. Now I'm going to add a reference for Apple by using a shortcut. First, I'll find where Apple, with a capital A, is in one of my book files. And here it is on page 8 of chapter 2. I'll switch to reference mode so you can see what happens when I use the keyboard shortcut Shift-Command-Option-Left-Bracket. That's Shift-Control-Alt-Left-Bracket on the PC. That adds this one page reference automatically, as you see here, without having the New Page Reference dialog box pop up. But this only works for single references. There's no Add All option if you bypass that dialog box. There's one more important indexing shortcut I want to cover, and then we'll move on to generating and formatting the index. This has to do with indexing proper names. I'll search for a name I know is in my book, Nigel French, author of my absolute favorite InDesign book. And here it is on page 10 of chapter 2. If I use that shift command option left bracket shortcut to add Nigel's name, it goes in in the index palette just as it appears in the text, first name, then last name. But in an index, I want it to appear as French, Nigel, which is how people look for names in an index. I'll undo that reference and instead use a slightly different keyboard shortcut, Shift-Command-Option-Right Bracket, or Shift-Control-Alt-Right Bracket on the PC, which automatically adds the reference in the last name, first name format, as you see here. One more thing to know if you have a last name followed by something like Junior, such as Sammy Davis Jr., and you want to use this last name first sorting, put a non-breaking space between the last name and whatever follows it. That way, instead of Junior, Sammy Davis, you'll get Davis Jr., Sammy. Now let's move on and use all of this work to generate an index. In some ways, generating an index is like generating a table of contents, but there are some significant differences. First of all, TOC entries are based on styles used in documents, while indexes are based on the presence of index markers in documents. TOC formatting can be saved as a TOC style and reused, but index formatting can't be saved – only the last settings you apply are preserved. Finally, the Update Table of Contents command in the Layout menu is how you update a TOC, whereas indexes must be regenerated from the index palette and replaced. Before you generate your index, it needs to have a place to go. If you're working in a single document, you'll need to have a page or space on a page at the end of that document where you'll place the index. In my case, working with a book, I have a separate document called Index, which I'll open from the book palette. To generate this index, I'll click the Generate Index button at the bottom of the palette. This opens the Generate Index dialog box. Like the Table of Contents dialog box, this is where you set up the formatting options for your index. If the dialog looks like this when you open it up, just click More Options. What you'll see here are the defaults, and I'm not going to mess with any of this right now. We'll start going through these options in a moment, but for now, I'll just point out that Include Book Documents needs to be checked here in order to generate an index for the whole book. And these styles here, Index Level 1, 2, 3, and so on, are automatically created and added to your document by InDesign when you generate an index for the first time. Again, I'm not going to change anything yet, I'm just going to use these defaults to generate my index this time. So I'll just click OK, and now I have a loaded text cursor, which I'll just shift-click within my master text frame to flow the text in. And there's my index, formatted using InDesign's default settings. If I zoom in to take a closer look, you can see my topics in place with their respective page references my nested level two topics here under Flattening, which we set up in the last episode, and a C reference for Microsoft Excel over here. So it works, I have an index. But it's a pretty ugly index, don't you think? I mean, Times Roman, it doesn't get much uglier than that. And it's also wasting a lot of space on the page. I'm going to delete all of this and go back to the Generate Index dialog to see what we can do to make this a nice pretty index. If I hadn't deleted that index from the document, the Replace Existing Index option would be available to me, allowing me to swap out the new index in place of the old one. But we're starting from scratch again. Let's start at the top with the index title. I don't want one. I'm in a section of my book called Index, and my page folios say Index, so I think people get it. I'll just clear out that field so that InDesign will not use a title at all. Since there's no title, there's no need to set a title style, so I'll just leave that alone, too. Include book documents, we've already covered. Include entries on hidden layers is pretty self-explanatory, but I don't want to do that, so I'll just leave it unchecked. The index type defaults to nested, which is what you'll probably want 99% of the time. The other option is run-in, and here's the only difference between the two. In a nested index, your level 2, 3, and 4 topics are nested and indented below the main topic. Run-in continues all of the subtopics in a continuous line without any hard breaks. So we'll stick to nested because it's much easier to read. Include Index Section Headings refers to the letter breaks for each section heading. You can choose to show these or not. I think having them included helps people find what they're looking for faster, so I'm including them. Include Empty Index Sections gives you the option to show those alpha breaks even if there are no topics under them. I can't see any reason in the world to do that, so I'm leaving that unchecked. The rest of the options work exactly like their table of contents counterparts. You assign paragraph and character styles to different parts of your index. Entries at different levels, section headings, page numbers, cross references, and cross reference topics. I've already created paragraph styles to use with my index, which means they're available to me from any of these pull-down menus. So for level 1, I'll assign my index entries L1 paragraph style. And for level 2 entries, I'll assign my index entries L2. Since I know my index doesn't have more than two levels deep, I didn't bother creating any other styles, but you can if you need to. For the section heading, which again is those alphabetical character breaks, I'll choose my index alpha breaks. For page number, I'm given not paragraph styles to choose from, but character styles so that my page numbers can look different within pre-established paragraph styles. I will be using my index numbers as a formatting style, but I've already nested that within both my level 1 and level 2 styles, so I don't need to set it here again. Cross-reference is also a character style, because it's applied only to the words see, see also, see also herein, and so on. For that, I'll assign my cross-references. Cross-reference topic is whatever follows the words see, see also, etc. For that, I'll choose the character style, my xreft topics. Now I just need to set my entry separators. This is where I choose what punctuation or spacing appears between the different entry types. The first option, Following Topic, is what comes after the topic name and before the page number. Instead of the default of two spaces, I'm going to use an M space. It looks better, and it's also the trigger for my nested style to switch to the page number character style. Between Entries refers only to nested indexes, where a semicolon follows each entry in the line. This doesn't apply here, so I'll ignore it. Page range is what goes between entries like 7 through 12. Typically, it's a dash or n dash, but I suppose you could type in through or something like that if you wanted to. I'm going to stick with the default n dash. Between page numbers is pretty self explanatory, and it's a comma here, which is fine by me. Before cross-reference is what gets put in before the words C or C also in a cross-reference. The default is a period and a space. I have no problem with that, so I'll leave it as is. Entry end is just that, what you want put at the end of your entry, meaning after all of the page numbers. It's blank by default, and that's how it should be. With all of my formatting options in place, I'll just click OK, and now we've got my loaded cursor again. Before I click, though, Remember how much wasted space there was on the page when I placed the index the first time? This wide one-column format really isn't the best choice for an index layout. Fortunately, I have an alternate two-column master page created already. I'll control-click or right-click on the PC on the icons for the selected spread in the Pages palette, and choose Apply Master to Pages from the Contextual menu. I'll choose Index Master for pages 78 and 79, and click OK. Now I have a nice two column page into which I just shift click with the loaded cursor and flow in my new formatted index. There now, isn't that better? No big clunky word index at the top, smaller type, improved line spacing, two columns, color applied to the alpha breaks to make them stand out. This is a reader friendly index. Let's take a closer look to make sure my styles got applied properly. Here are my alpha breaks. My level 1 entries look good, and they switch to the page number character style after the M space, just as they should. Down here, my level 2 entries are indented properly, and they use a slightly lighter font than the level 1 topics, which I think helps reinforce the hierarchy. Here's my last name first formatted entry for Nigel French. And over here in the second column, my C reference for Excel is also using the correct character styles for the word C and the reference topic that follows it. So after all of that tedious work, it actually pays off at this stage. If there are some index markers removed in my document or the flow of the text changes, I can just regenerate this index and choose Replace Selected Index to update it. The last step is to export my book, including the index, as a PDF and to see how the index behaves in that situation. Typically, before I do this, I'd like to resynchronize my book one last time. And I'll take a moment to update the table of contents to make sure all of the bookmarking is maintained. This is a good idea anytime you've made changes and are ready to export to PDF. Assuming I've done all that and I'm ready to export my book, I go to the Book Palette. Make sure no individual documents are selected and choose Export Book to PDF. I'll give it a name and choose where to save it. And from the Export Adobe PDF dialog, I'll choose my Navigable Book Output Preset, which is based on the standard preset but modified to automatically launch the PDF when it's finished as well as to include bookmarks and hyperlinks. I'll click Export. And InDesign will gather and export all of my book files into a single PDF, which is then opened automatically by Acrobat. From my table of contents in the PDF, I can just click Index, which jumps me to that section of the book. And just like with the table of contents, clicking any page reference in this index will automatically take me to the referenced page. If I click BBEdits, Page References, it takes me to page 64. And there it is. Same goes with noise on page 29. Or object layer options on page 30. So now, in addition to navigation from the TOC at the front of the book, I have a fully navigable PDF from the index at the back, all generated automatically by InDesign from the index markers placed in my various book documents. That's it, folks. It's finally over. To be honest, this is the first time I've ever created an index using InDesign or any other application, and I hope it's the last. When the time comes for you to do an index, with any luck, you'll have the option to hire a professional indexer and spare yourself the agony. If you can't, I hope that what I've covered here will make it a bit easier on you. I will be back very soon, sooner than usual in fact, with what I think will be a very exciting new episode. I can't say anything more specific than that right now, but look for it to post just before the end of March. I also want to mention that I'll be speaking at the upcoming InDesign conference in New York City from June 4th to June 7th. You can find out more about that at www.idconference.com. In the meantime, please feel free to post your comments or questions about this or any other episode on the blog at InDesignSecrets.com slash TheInDesigner. And check out all of the other great content on InDesignSecrets.com. It's the independent resource for all things InDesign. As always, you can email me at info at or look for me on AIM or iChat as TheInDesigner. Until next time, this is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Videocast and InDesignSecrets.com. Thanks for watching.